Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another episode of Politico. I am your host, Juan Collado Diaz, and thank you so much for joining me once again as we talk to an incredible expert about things that they may know, that they may not know, that you may know, that you may not know, and eventually someone will freaking know. So, today with me, I have Envy Gay. They are Columbus based activists, um, transgender activists, pretty much fighting for transgender rights, LGBTQ plus, uh, rights a book author, and an amazing photographer and model. Envy will be sharing with us today the secrets and the tips to be a better ally and to actually be a good ally. You know, it doesn't take a lot to be a good community activist and an ally for the LGBT community. So with that said, let me introduce you a little bit. Um, Envy, please, um, I'm not going to introduce you. Actually, you're going to introduce yourself a little bit and I give you an introduction. So let's uh, have you share a little bit about who you are, what you do, and Let's just begin with this. So my name is Vincent Natasha Gay. Uh, they, them pronouns. I go by Envy Gay, uh, just because Envy is a lot easier to say than Vincent Natasha. And it sounds a lot better, right? Um, but it is yeah. definitely catchy. Yes, it is. It's easy to remember. Um, so I am a transgender advocate, uh, educator, photographer, activist, model, kind of do do a lot of jobs um i will do just about anything to help the community forward um and yeah i do a lot of roles with that from doing educational lectures and professional developments with businesses um working with the nonprofit love boldly um which seeks to create and affirm uh safe spaces for queer christians um so going into churches and telling church like teaching church communities and um, their congregations how to be affirming and accepting of lgbtqia people um so that's always fun um doing that type of stuff and yeah yeah so um i did wanted to ask with that um you know as a trans activist what are what are common difficulties do you find when you're trying to work with cities states and not just you but other trans activists uh, when you're trying to work with them and like to make the support for the community easier and how does this like how does the system make it harder for transgender individuals pretty much to you know be out and be out there in the world yeah so i mean it, being trans is not anything new i mean transgender people have existed throughout history as far back as ancient Samaria. We have documented records of transgender people. Um, and for throughout most of history, transgender people have been seen as these amazing self-realizing like people, a lot of them holding much weight within the religious um, community. And it's only recently that we have felt that being trans is wrong. Um, we have seen a persecution against transgender people, especially. Um, and especially now, within the last five years, we've almost started to see this movement towards an eradication of transgender people. And so um, as being someone who is out and open and proud of, as being trans and trying to advocate for our community, one of the biggest struggles I run into is people just not realizing what being trans actually means. Um, a lot of people think that there are one, there's 
a lot a lot more trans people in the world than there are um saw a recent tiktok video where a guy was just asking random people like how many trans people do you think there are and, like there would be like answers like oh 30 percent of americans are trans no one percent of americans are trans at, at most um like we are like it's we're you see a lot of trans people now because we social media has shrunk the world. We are able to communicate. We are able to spread our message. We are also able to advocate for ourselves. Um, and you can't just hide away from it anymore. Um, and so, yeah, I run into this issue where people just don't know what it means. They they think that, well, if I if you're you're trans just because you wanted to, you, you just woke up one day and wanted to change your gender. Uh, and no, that's definitely not it. Um, that you want to, uh, people think that p trans people are only transitioning for fame, which is far from the truth. Um, you, there's also a narrative out there that kind of hinders the transgender community um, that stems from kind of an old uh, mindset that to be trans and to be valid as trans, you had to live within the binary construct so basically you had to come out and transition genders fully from either male to female or female to male and do so with all the proper medical procedures all the proper hormones and basically come out to put yourself back in the closet of another gender and that comes from this a time where that was the only way that people could be trans um, because of lack of understanding. Now we are seeing more of a movement of trans people being, tra they're transitioning from their gender assigned at birth to who they are. And this can represent so many different genders. This can represent non-binary genders or binary genders. Um, and yeah, it just, a lot of that holds back the advocacy and it means that I have to do a lot more education when I talk to people because it's just, it's not known as well. So, Yes, I think, um, as you mentioned, I actually seen it where I have, um, and I have had like colleagues and pretty much go like, oh yeah, like, I mean, if you're trans, you just, you just have to be either a female or a male, but you just have to like completely transition. I'm like, not really. I mean, you, you can be, you can identify as trans and you don't have to completely transition. You don't have to hide who you like were or who you want to be. Just, you know, you don't have to say, oh, I'm a female. Like I, I think there's many proud trans women who are proud of saying I'm trans women. You know, they're not like out there just screaming, you know, I'm just a woman. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know if you've seen, um, I think this is like a hard topic for most transgender people. Uh, Kelly Cat again, uh, like TikTok, Instagram influencer who went through like a whole self-identity for a while and pretty much now says that she is a cis woman. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people are coming after her for like saying that specific because it's like you're hiding the fact that you're trans and it's like you're not proud of it somewhat. So I, I don't know, like it seems like a lot of people like I think the binary construct that you mentioned, like what people think you should be kind of affected her a little bit and put her in that position, you know, and I don't know, like, I don't know if you like know Kelly Cat, and I'm guessing you probably have hear, hear of her, like heard of her on, online, seen mm -hmm. her. I have uh, many friends. So like, I think 
do you think that's part of like what you just mentioned pretty much like on education and people kind of pushing do you think is that what's like causing her like identity crisis i mean i can't speak directly for her um but i can speak to the fact that the system that has been created of the binary that there is only male or female has hindered a lot of people it has hindered the growth and development of so many people it's set back intersexed people for so many years and hindered them within being able to figure out who they are within non-binary people within trans uh trans binary people within cisgender people this idea of a two construct system that you have to adhere to based upon your genitals is ridiculous it's something that hinders all of us like you can be a cisgender man and wear a dress you can be a cisgender man and have makeup on and like just and dress the nines you can be a cisgender woman and look very masculine like there this idea that the way our body was made into this world defines who we are and defines how we have to express ourselves socially is ridiculous and it's holding all of us back instead we need to break down the system and really understand that it all these genders, all these things that people are so upset about and complain that there's so many genders out there. Why do we have so many genders? I more call for an elimination of it and just allow us to be human. What does it matter what our gender is? It doesn't. What, it, what we're trying to do is we're trying to label someone to determine how much worth they have to you. Whether you are you should be sexually attracted to that person or not based upon what their gender is instead treat people like the human that they are stop labeling people and trying to make judgments upon people based upon what you think their self should be um and so in her case with there's it really has run into this issue of how does she identify she identifies as a woman that's amazing that's who she is and you have these terms of cisgender and transgender and all this stuff. And when you break it down, trans women are women. She is a woman. That's what she, she is. Absolutely. It doesn't matter whether she was born with a penis at first and then transitioned or whether she was born with a vagina at first. It doesn't matter. What matters is who she is as a beautiful human and what she offers to this world. I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, it, 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 it's, I'm glad that you, you said it because I have heard so many people, you know, just saying like, oh, you can't identify as a cis woman, but it's like, we, we just make all these terms. And at the end of the day, trans women are women and she is a woman. Like, I, I, I don't see why, like, and I feel like more the far, like, you know, the far conservative use this to like attack the LGBT community directly or the, you know, those like that have the, LGBT phobia pretty much use it to attack and you know as you, you also mentioned like a little bit about like the dress and like you know when men should be able to wear a dress and if you look back through history like men used to wear makeup men used to wear wigs they used to wear dresses this is not new you know like this slowly people started like creating this like oh you cannot be enough of a man if you wear like a dress but it's like, 
men wear wore dresses like skirts. They wore like you know what we classify now women clothing. Men mm-hmm. wore it for centuries, and just now it's out of the ordinary. I mean, I would say probably about like 70, 18, like probably all forty five or forty six of our presidents wear makeup mm-hmm. because they have to. Like, I mean, they want to look good. So I just. It's like that norm that like blue is for boys, pink is for girls. Like, no, I'm sort of like, I look great in a pink tie and a pink <laughs> shirt. Like, I'm going to say it up there. You know, it's like, and I mean, yeah. I also look good in blue, but everybody else looks good in blue too. Yeah, no, it, it really is this idea that we have to live within a binary that has set us back so far as a society. And it's not just hindering the LGBTQIA plus people, it's, it's hindering everyone. I mean, you have so many people that feel like, I mean, for goodness sakes, I have, I, I have meet, I've met kids that, um, that are so happy to just be able to find something like, for instance, a Pikachu dress, a kid that I know that loves loves his Pikachu dress, but refuses to wear it to school because you've got to be made fun of because boys don't wear dresses. Who the hell cares what your clothing is? Like, if that makes you happy, then why does it matter? Why is it different to anyone else in this idea that we have to pass judgment on people for what they wear or how they look? That We all have the right to express who we are so absolutely yeah. and i agree with that um that i'm gonna like move like you know with this question i'm gonna move to like the next question and ask you um you know sometimes when you're out there um you, you meet new people like i am a volunteer at the lgbt community center in cleveland and i have many friends like i was a uh, part of the, my college um when i was at tricy i was part of the gsa i was pretty much the advisor to the gsa for the longest and as an ally it's hard sometimes for people and myself actually and other people like they ask you know how can we ask someone how do you identify are you trans are you like non-binary but we don't want to offend them specific and you know as a person as an activist and as an educator yourself how do you think you can ask the question like to someone or like not even just ask the question like you know not, not without asking the question how can you like bring it up to see how they identify without being offensive how to see how you can you know be more open and mm-hmm. i guess more i don't know if like i'm asking it the right way but being no 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 you're you're, you're like, asking it's a great question how do i how do i ask if i want to know and first thing i would i would say is assess why you want to know assess why you're asking this question are you asking this question because you want to get to know this person better or are you asking this question because you are determining whether or not you should be attracted to or whether or not you should pass some type of judgment upon this person. Um, So first do that. If you come to this point where you've asked yourself that question and you realize that you are just wanting to know, to get to know this person better, to be able to share life with them, great, awesome. You're already off to a great point. The way I would go about it is do not ask. Instead, introduce yourself. So for instance, one of the ways I teach people to do this is by like, so if I'm walking up on the street to someone and I meet someone, I might say, hi, my name is Envy. My pronouns are they, them. How would you like me to address you? Right there, you're, you're 
starting the conversation, not by asking them and trying to force them to identify who they are. You're providing this notion that you are a safe person. You, they can trust you. You're giving them your name and your pronouns, showing that you have this respect for them by, give, by opening up to show who you are. When you do it that way, it allows the person to feel a lot less guarded. They, uh, they open up a lot easier and you can start a conversation that way. Um, and then you go on the conversation about like, how, so like, okay, so say the person's name is Alex and her pronouns are she, her. It's don't start by going like, oh, well, are you a trans woman? Right there, that's a big no-no. You don't want to necessarily go right towards the question. You just more want to ask about the person. Ask who she is. What is her? What's her job? What where did she go to school? Get to know the person. When they feel like, when the person feels like they can trust you, they'll open up about it. Most of most of us who are trans are very proud to speak about it when we feel safe to speak about it. And there's the key. A lot of us are guarded because there's been a lot of trans violence in this world. We see too many times where trans people are openly attacked and killed for just being who they are. So when we feel safe enough to share it with you, we'll share it with you. And that's on our time, not yours. Absolutely. And, you know, with that question, I'm going to ask you, you are, and you mentioned this to me, uh, you are in the finishings of writing a book. Yes. Uh, pretty much relating uh, how to be, you know, a good ally, how to support the community. It's like, you know, it's, it's like the perfect, I don't know, like, it's not really a dictionary, but like the perfect, like, wiki kind of thing on how to be the best ally. Um, do you want to share a little bit about that? And like, yeah, I don't yeah, know, you know so, how it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so when I first came out, um, my wife, who is an avid reader, was searching far and wide for books and resources on how, how to, one, understand who I am, but also understand how she could be an, an ally to me. Um, and what we found is there's a lot of books out there about how, being transgender or being gay or being just queer in general, but there's not a lot of books about how to be an ally. There's not a lot of resources. When you Google it, you find a lot of things that are like, well, do this, 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 and this, and that's about it. Or you find academic papers that you're not going to read. I mean, you can maybe get through the synopsis and then you're just like, okay, that's a little too much. Um, Absolutely. So what I decided to do was I'm like, I needed to put together this resource. And so as I started with the um, nonprofit that I'm on the board of, Love Boldly, I would do presentations at the churches and I would do these presentations about how to be an ally. And I was seeing that they were very well attended and a lot of people were asking questions and a lot of people were really wanting to know this that I just decided, well, I'm going to just take my notes from this and just start writing them down and maybe handing out a packet. Like I was just like, I'll hand out a packet during my presentations. I got done writing about 150 pages later. It's like, this is not a packet anymore. Um, and so, yeah, it's the book itself is called The Allies Bible. Um, it is a comprehensive, easy to digest guide on how to be an effective 
an accepting ally to the community. Um, now, the big thing here is that allyship first is not a badge that you can bestow upon yourself. It is a badge of honor that you earn through your actions and through how you treat the LGBTQIA plus community. And there's a lot of different ways to earn that badge per se. A lot of people think that being an ally means that you have to go down to the state house and stand against these anti-LGBTQIA plus bills that are being proposed. Yes, that is one way of being an ally, but it's not the only way. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody's voice is best heard that way. Not everybody has the time to do that or, you know, has the spoons to be able to do that. Um, so my guide kind of offers this way of like all these different ways that you can be an ally and it breaks it down into this three tiered system of first being respectful, being being open to understanding, being respectful when you're speaking to people, being respectful when you're speaking about people. Secondly, going out on your own to learn and understand. Um, what I find a lot of the time is that people rely upon queer people to educate them about the queer community, which is great. I mean, you meet me, I'm going to educate you. I'm going to talk to you. If you have a question for me, I'm going to ask. But it is not the job of the LGBTQIA plus community to educate you about the community. It is your job to take it upon yourself to educate yourself. Um, and so that's the second step. And the third step is to advocate. That, and that's probably the most important step when it comes to allyship, advocating for those who are queer, speaking up, standing up, demanding that their rights be met, that equality acts be passed, that what we're seeing, especially here in Ohio at the state house, standing up against that type of stuff. And it doesn't mean that you have to go down there and stand up in person. You could stand up by speaking out on your Facebook page. Yeah, absolutely. And right, like right now, like, you know, Ohio pretty much, as yeah. per se, like Ohio slowly turning into the Florida of like the Northeast area. Uh, we pretty much have this bill's happening to try to like, you know, eradicate pretty much like trans youth and trans individuals as a whole, pretty much. And the, the reasons behind it, everybody says like, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, they don't want kids. No, it's all religious reasons. Um, the guy sponsored is pretty much a pastor. Mm -hmm. It's all his religious, um, his religious bigotry. But then if you say that, they kind of deny it. So with that, let me ask you, um, you know, relating this specific topic too, um, trans activism and, you know, how do we work to combat the bigotry, the discrimination, promote acceptance? Um, and, you know, there's groups out there like the trans uh, exclusionary feminist um, groups, the TERFs, which I pretty much like actually, I don't know if you heard, I, I had one of my podcasts um, not long ago and she shared a lot of um, why she was like, you know, identifying as a trans uh, exclusionary radical feminist, whatever. And I wanted to see how can we combat that bigotry that is hidden among these individuals? How can we combat the discrimination, the, the promotion of eradicating trans people because they're trans? And how can like 
not just the trans community, but how can allies also be part of that? Yeah, yeah. And per, first, I would say that the bigotry is religion itself is not anti-trans or homophobic or anti-LGBTQ. Religion preaches love. Religion preaches that we love each other for our differences. We treat uh, others as we want to be treated. Um, the the people that are using religion as a weapon against us are using so as a way of trying to validate their own feelings of hurt, their own feelings of pain, their own misunderstandings of the community. Um, and they're trying to use these Bible verses that are quite honestly mistranslated. Um, a lot of um, scholars have gone back to the ancient Hebrew texts and found that, you know, these homophobic words and phrases and, um, you know, verses that people like to throw out there actually don't exist. They weren't they weren't written that way. They weren't exclusionary of that way. What I think. Ex, ex, what is it? Ezekiel or, don't look at me to quote the Bible. And, and whatever that one, Ecclesiastics or Ezekiel, whatever one, that famous one that people like to say from the Old Testament, um, that says you shall not lay with another man or something like that. Yep, it's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Ezekiel. Um, I actually was at a, I was at a drug store I here in Cleveland, and one of the Christian guys um, pretty much came to me and goes like, yeah, I'm like, men should not lay with child, and... Like, and I was like, men should not lay with man. That's what he said. And I was like, well, no, the Bible pretty much said that a man should not lay with child. It was pretty much talking about pedophilia, no homosexuality. Yeah. Like, you know, being that, gay and it's not also, a sin. Yeah. It's also translated into a man should not lay with a child, nor his, nor should rape his slave. So, like, yeah, exactly. And they don't look at it that way because if they look no. at it that way, they pretty much have to end their narrative of yeah you know this is what we want and this is how they want to put it out there which i completely understand like i have met so many and i have gone through so many pride events and i always say i always hold a sign i don't, I don't know if you saw it at the pride in cleveland but i have a sign that says these guys are gayer than me they have never missed a pride and i have <laughs> but like yes and yes. i just follow them around pretty much they at this point they don't like me anymore but you know it's they use the quotes and i think they have done this since like you know forever they use the Bible to quote and kind of create their own narrative of bigotry. And as you were saying, you know, they created their own narrative with it. And yeah, they rewrote it. They, they rewrote used it to the Bible and harass people. To, yeah. They rewrote it to exclude people, to use this as a tool of exclusionary methods. And when, when you really break down what the ancient text has said, it promotes nothing but inclusion. Jesus, in all of his sermons, never once excluded anyone. He went to the outcasts. He went to the people that were considered the unclean, the unworthy, and he adopted them into his family. He brought them in and uplifted them and taught them what it means to be godlike. And that message is what's being lost here. That's what's being forgotten. And that is what is so wrong about the when people were wanting to say that Christianity is so bad, because I am proud to call myself a Christian. Um, 
I was able to refine my faith after transitioning and working with a pastor here in Columbus, um, which thank God we found this pastor, um, Pastor Marcus Antha over at North Broadway United Methodist, like being able to connect with him and speak with him and for him to help bring me back into the religion and explain to me how so many people are using it to weaponize and to persecute when truly it's not in there. Um, and so how do we fight back is a great question. How do we fight back against this? Well, there is not one good way of fighting back against this. Fortunately, we've seen for so long Religion has been used to persecute people all over the world for centuries. Um, what we have to do as, uh, as proud and queer people is to continue to be ourselves, to continue to live our lives and demand the freedom and the right to do so. Mo most of the people in this country are on our side. We are right now, we are hearing from the select few that are screaming the loudest. But you saw it with issue one. Ohioans voted to make sure that we protected abortion. We did not want the government to say whether or not we can have an abortion. We want the right to do with our body as we see. That same idea applies to the to LGBTQIA plus people, both adults and minors. We have the right to do with our body as we see fit. And the majority of Americans agree with that fact. And that's why none of these laws are being voted on by the masses. They're being they're being voted on in red states, in small committees and in major, uh, conservative majorities to make sure that they can pass this in super PACs that they know that their citizens do not agree with. Because they know that if this went out to vote, if it went out to the polls, people would vote them down. They would, they would vote these issues down. They would vote for equality time and time again people will vote for equality. They want to see equality. And we have to keep that mindset as we move forward because this year is going to be difficult. This is going to be a very, very challenging year for all of us across the country and across the world. We have so many world leaders that are calling for our execution. But remember that in the, in the hindsight, they are just a you and while they scream loud we scream louder absolutely and that that is amazing i'm full body shows here that was amazing like preach preach it louder like people need to hear this so let me ask you uh, we were you know we were talking about this the fact that we're trying to our voices to make sure the allies and lgbtqia community are louder um how can we find common ground and objectives you know, to introduce to people that are not really, you know, people that are confused, not really against the LGBT community, but they're just confused and they're trying to learn. How can we like teach them? How can we bring the common ground and go like, hey, you know, this is 
what you can do and this is how you can like learn more, be an ally without offending them or offending anybody. Yeah, a lot of it just comes to how we come off. Um, and unfortunately, we saw this with Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. with uh, the Civil Rights Movement. I mean, he taught us that nonviolent protests will always win out um, and that we have to, for lack of other words, be the better person. And so it, it, it's hard. It really is hard. But we have to almost recognize that we wear the community on our sleeves every time we're out in public and people are going to make opinions about the entire community based upon our actions and how we are perceived which is totally unfair totally unfair and it should not be that way but unfortunately it is whenever when with every marginalized group it is that way people will the masses will make judgments upon the entire group just based on the actions of a few. I mean, so we have to we have to remember that and we have to act with this sense of treating people exactly how we want to be treated. We want to show people how we want to be treated. And so it really does come down to this fact of being open to to conversation, being open to showing people, how we live how we what we what our agenda is because i hear this narrative all the time that the queer agenda i was i was at the uh, big walnut school board meeting the um their last one when they were when they adopted to uh ban pride flags fun um and i listened to one woman get up and speak and she said that um she was on TikTok and heard one of the, one drag king or drag queen come out and say that our agenda is to come after your children. We're going to convert your children. And so she made up her entire mindset and started spewing this off in front of all of her friends and in front of this entire board meeting based upon the actions of one person and what that one person said. And in reality, the LGBTQIA plus agenda is to live an average life expectancy. We don't want to convert anyone. What we want is to live. We want those people who are out to be able to live freely. We want those people who are questioning to be able to freely question who they are and decide for themselves who they are. We want those people who are in the closet to feel like they have the freedom and the ability to come out and express who they are. We don't want to convert anyone. We just want those people who are queer to be able to live. Yeah, and I think that's like the easiest excuse that I heard lately is they want to like groom us. They want to convert us. And, you know, 2024 arrived. And I'm going to tell you, I have seen, I'm a huge like, you know, person on Twitter and I'm all around and I, I follow a lot of like activism groups and pretty much share like, this person, it's like, you know, rape a child or like pedophile kind of things. This past year, it has been the most conservative senators, the most conservative, like, you know, far right, anti-LGBT, like transphobes, pretty much are the ones that are grooming and pretty much like, you know, discussing raping kids. And we looked at it ourselves too. And it's like, I mean, people don't look at it but back in the day like we had many presidents like president cleveland pretty much like groomed and raped a girl and like stole her baby we, we don't talk about like he wasn't gay he wasn't lgbt 
and we know this, but here he was, like, you know, we did the to a minor, like we have current currently two pastors and one deputy, like uh chief of the police department, like, you know, do that. None of them were LGBT. And I have not seen an instance where an LGBT LGBT person, you know, LGBTQIA person is the one doing these things. And to me, that's like if we're gonna really look at things, we have to look at the facts. And you know, the LGBT uh LGBTQ plus community is not going out there and telling, you know, I'm gonna just take your child and do this and do that. There's so many, like the statistics are so low on LGBT identifying people like grooming and raping children than where art for like, you know, straight and cis identifying individuals. Yeah, yeah, so you are 100% like, right. But unfortunately, and, statistics are not our friends. Um, the statistics are not going to help us while they are in our favor while we have all the facts that that prove that we are just normal people trying to live normal lives when we have all the statistics all the figures all that stuff that's not going to be what wins this war wins this fight for us what's going to win it is our actions and how we stand up for each other and how we treat everyone in this world that's what's going to win the day um and yeah and so like i see people all the time spewing like talking about all these facts and numbers and all this stuff and like this is great like all this stuff definitely it shows that we are like we are meant to be here we've been here forever but most of the the opponent our opponents do not care they don't care about the facts or the figures. They what they care about is whether or not you believe their lies. And there are too many people out there that are believing the lies. And the only way we're going to change their minds and we're going to change that is by being who we are and showing them and showing these people that we are nothing to be feared. That it that being queer is nothing to be feared. Just like back in the '60s, being black was nothing to be feared. It took a, it took an entire generation of people to finally figure this out. That there there's absolutely nothing wrong with the color of our skin. We're all just humans. We're all just people, and we deserve to be treated equally. And unfortunately, that's where we are again just replace African-Americans with LGBTQIA people. And uh, so with that, let me ask you, um, is there like any um, legal policies currently that are, you know, in Ohio and outside of Ohio that are directly attacking LGBT uh, specific transgender uh, individuals, uh, children that you would like, like, you know, people to know and like even in their home states that we can like fight yeah. uh, and I mean, pretty much fight for? You just saw House Bill 8, or 68, and then um, that one just got passed by both the House and the Senate and then vetoed by DeWine and then um, the veto overridden by the House and is expected, I think, on the 24th to be voted on in the Senate on whether they're going to override. And that basically bans gender-affirming care for youth, for minors. Now, there is a grandfather clause in there that allows for those who are already receiving care to maintain the care um but yeah it, it would effectively ban gender affirming care so ban um trans youth from being able to use puberty blockers or being able to be on hormone replacement therapy and in all those hearings 
the main spewing point out that was being thrown out was this idea that we don't want kids to undergo gender confirming surgery. We don't want kids to have their genitals removed because, uh, because they are too young to understand this. And I agree. People, kids should not go through that type of surgery. And guess what? No kids in Ohio do. In Ohio, we actually have one of the best gender affirming care systems for both minors and for adults. Our five children's hospitals have the best, best system in place for trans youth. And the, the, all those doctors came out to these hearings and basically pled with the senators to say, you trust us with your lives, trust us when we're saying that we know how to care for these children. And they didn't listen. Yeah, and they, it's sad because you, you have people that don't have like any medical, like literally no medical education, no medical history in their lives, trying to make decisions for people. And it's like, you know, it's not like you're taking a five-year-old to have a gender-affirming surgery. Like most of the people that have like this surgery are either past the age of consent or they are adults. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and one good example that I always tell people, like, you know, I use um, as a huge example is a famous actress like Nicole Maines. She transitioned and she went through like her whole life and she's still a trans activist. She's still going out there, you know, and she has not had like any like complications because of her surgery. She is very open and shares a lot of this. And they, but they don't like and they don't look at this. And, you know, like going back to House Bill 68, that was pretty much created out of like as i was mentioning earlier out of the hatred of pretty much a bigot who's trying to push his own agenda into the system because he's trying to use quote unquote what he calls his religion which is not really like it's not really his religion doesn't say anything about this on the country says then god is love and you should follow love and i mean loving yourself is love but they don't look he's not looking at this he's looking at his own narrative mm -hmm. to drink this bill and it's you know, it's so upsetting that we have in such a state that people like, you know, stood up for, as you mentioned, issue one earlier. They don't want to put like House Bill 68 like in the ballot because they know that if that goes into the ballot, Ohio people are going to vote it off. Oh, yeah. No, I we, talk we, we, about we this all the time. That. We have every every year the Equality Act is is introduced and is always just tabled. And it's because the the majority of our Congress is Republican, unfortunately. Um, and it's, there's a lot of reasons for that that I'm not gonna get into, but um, they know that if the Equality Act was put on the ballot, it would pass. They know that nationwide, if the Equality Act was put on the ballot, it would pass, it would. It, it's just that plain and simple. It's because of what I said earlier, people want to see equality for all. They don't care whether you are gay or straight, whether you are trans or cis. What they care about is whether or not you are a good person. That's what it comes down to. And when it really comes down to it, we all are good people and we all know that what is right is for us to be able to express ourselves as we see fit. And I do want to talk about um, 
in that House Bill 68, the override, or not the override, the veto that DeWine put in, which was great that he vetoed it, he put in um, some rules, some very ambiguous rules that um, basically when understood and read by attorneys and the LGBTQIA nonprofits here in Ohio, it's understood that it would it would either one make it much harder or two completely ban gender affirming care for adults. Um, and the big the big idea here is that wanting to mandate how people get their gender affirming care through main hospital systems with a large team of doctors, much more than was already required, which will make it much very difficult for people, especially in rural counties, to be able to go and get the gender affirming care. For people like me and here in Columbus, it's a lot easier. I've got major hospitals. I can I can do that. It's a pain in the butt, but I can do it. But someone that's out in, I don't know, Ashland, will have a much harder time being able to access the gender affirming care that they need and be able to see all the doctors that would be required. And as well, there is a provision in there that would call for the identification of all trans people through medical records. So basically having the medical records and documents sent to the government to tell the government exactly who is trans and who's not. So it's, pre it's pretty much like putting like, you know, back, it's pretty much just putting like a rainbow on, on your shirt and like identifying yourself as trans all the time. Doesn't it's it like, sound you know, like back, something else that another government back did Holocaust, back in the thirties? When they were identifying people back in the Holocaust, like with the, with the star, like pretty yeah. much it sounds exactly like that. And you know what? I did not know about this part. And that is disgustingly upsetting. Like why, why do they need to violate the first level? They're violating, there's like HIPAA laws in there. They're violating privacy laws by sending this to like government officials they're violating like every single like privacy law and putting people at risk because we know as a matter of fact and most of this republican politicians are involving groups that are hate groups and these hate groups literally are looking for the eradication of trans people and if you have a public database like just by giving it to these politicians it becomes public because anybody can file a freedom of information act and you know get this information with no problem even if they like even even if they try the smallest way, they will immediately get it. You're pretty much putting trans individuals in harm's way by doing this. And I did not know that specific part. And that is very upsetting to hear when they're even yeah. doing this. Yeah, that was part of the proposed rules that DeWine enacted um, in his executive order um, that he went after he did the veto. He wrote, made this executive order and so you have organizations like trans ohio and trans allies of ohio who are really trying to fight back against this and nationwide organizations like the aclu and um trans uh, uh defense network and uh trans equality now all these places have been mobilized to act against this stuff and luckily these type of laws that have been passed in other states have mostly been struck down by the Supreme Court and by smaller courts around the country. And so we have to hope that that continues. But when it truly comes down to it, on this 2024 election cycle is going to be a defining moment. It really is. And you're going to see 
um, especially as these primaries start kicking up, you're going to see more and more anti-LGBTQ talking points be discussed. And then when it comes into the fall and we start having the Biden versus whoever um, debates, we're going to see these narratives. We're going to see the anti-LGBTQIA and especially against trans people. Um, right now, the, the attack is against trans people but it will come for all LGBTQIA plus people. It will come for all. You just had the, there was a bill proposed in Indiana, I think House Bill 1215, I think is what it is, that would redefine the under, the, what gender means as to be your sex assigned at birth, would reverse all um, gender markers for trans people. So anyone who has changed their gender marker would then have it reversed and would state that marriage that is approved by the government is only between a man and a woman. That was what was just proposed in Indiana. And we're going, yeah, you're going to see more and more stuff like this. You're going to see it. We see it every day. Um, these types of laws are being proposed every day and while most of them are tabled and while most of them are laughed off and and like oh this is ridiculous they're they're still being proposed and that's the that's the problem they're even being they're being brought up um yeah that, that is a problem when you have you know the elected officials that you put in office like you know and they promise you something pretty much going up there and like also you know trying to take your rights your freedom your liberty away by proposing yeah. these bills it's it's awful. And, you know, let me ask you with that, like, what is something that like individuals that are not like, you know, right now are not activists or are not out there doing this work or like are even are, like misinformed or don't know anything about it? How can those individuals get involved uh, in supporting the trans community? How can they educate uh, themselves about these bills and how can they start, you know, creating rallies or how can they yeah. advocate for this kind of thing to like first, stop bills first? talk to a trans person a lot of people don't know trans people they don't know that they know a trans person they might see that they have a trans friend on facebook but don't necessarily engage with them at all actually have open and honest discussions with trans people talk about what the issues are i i posted something on my on my face or my instagram story today that says if you don't understand why trans people are afraid then you really don't have a trans friend and it's true like if you don't understand why we are afraid why we are openly talking about moving states or even moving out of the country like if you don't understand why you need to understand why you need to educate yourself if a group of people is literally talking about moving or leaving the country you know there's an issue you have to start opening up and understanding why. Like I said, you don't have to be an ally. You don't have to be at rallies. You don't have to be down at the state house, but you do have to advocate. You have to stand up and say what is happening is not right. Stand up, speak out, whether it is just with your group of friends or whether it is contacting legislatures, speak up and say that this is not right, that you stand with these people who are being eradicated in front of your eyes. 
We do not want to see another Holocaust. And if you don't stand up and you don't speak out, we will see another Holocaust. Let me um, lastly ask you, um, do you have any tips for, um, you know, folks out there that are fighting against bigotry? Um, any advice for transgender, um, you know, transgender people that are scared uh, to come out because the government, this bills, like, you know, anybody, like conservative families, uh, their town might not accept them. Do you have yeah. like, any advice, any words uh, to lift them up? Know that you are loved. Know that you are not alone. Know that you are part of a community that is larger than you think that you are aware of and that this community will embrace you. Whether you are trans, whether you are gay, whether you are queer, whether you are cisgendered straight, no matter who you are, this community will embrace you and will love you and will accept you and affirm you for who you are if you do the same. And to those of you who are scared and in the closet and fearing that you cannot come out right now, I see you. I see you. I hear you. And I love you. And know that when you are ready, myself and this community will be here for you. All right. With that, I want to thank you for uh, joining me today. Um, I will link all of your uh, social media so people can follow you on the show notes, which are like regularly on the link of the podcast. And this podcast will go to all like listening platforms. So you'll be able to uh, find it in all podcast platforms out there. With that, anything do you want to add before like we shut the episode? <laughs> um, I, I know we talked a lot about a lot of things tonight and a lot of it is heavy hitting and unfortunately this is a difficult time, but know that I am very proud to be trans. I am very proud to be a trans lesbian human and be out and fighting for everyone, fighting for the equality of all people. Um, you are welcome to contact me. You are welcome to talk to me whenever you can. Um, as Juan said, my social media stuff will be available. Please message me. Please don't say hi and just expect me to message you from that because I won't. But if you message me and, and say that you listen to this podcast and you just wanted to ask some questions, you're going to see that I'm going to answer your message right away and I'm going to want to talk and I'm going to want to answer your questions and connect. Connect with people. Connect with your LGBTQ community centers. Whether you are in a big city or in a small little town, there are LGBTQIA nonprofits somewhere near you i promise you especially here in the state of ohio there's a lot of us and they are ready to welcome you with open arms they're ready to educate you they're ready to affirm you and they're ready to love you for who you are no matter what so with that i just say thank you so much for allowing me to speak today allowing me to share this insight and i really hope that here shortly that the darkness that we are seeing will soon turn into this gorgeous bright light and we will just yeah it's like they always said in the batman movie it's always darkest before the dawn you just quote my favorite movie so 
Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Politico with Juan Callao Diaz. This and all other episodes of Politico are available on Spotify or wherever else you listen to your podcast. This episode, the show notes will be in the description of the episode, which is regularly below in the thumbnail on your Spotify, Google uh, podcast, or wherever you listen to your podcast. With that said, Politico with Juan Callao Diaz is a Spotify original from Anchor.fm and Chuck Norris approved. Right, Chuck? Chuck Norris approved.